Welcome to McKinsey on the Middle East, where we'll break down our top regional articles and insights. Join us for conversations on some of the most pressing issues and learn how we're enabling sustainable and inclusive growth. Welcome to McKinsey on the Middle East. Today, I'm joined by Misha Zilke, one of the co-authors of our broad report on employee well-being and the GCC. Thank you, Misha, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Nikki. So first, let's talk about employee well-being and resilience and what that actually means. It's a very broad term that seems to encompass some fairly vague and some very specific definitions. Can you shed some light here? Well-being in the workplace health more broadly at global level is under strain. If you take a look that over half a billion people have symptoms of anxiety and symptoms of depression at global people, over two billion people at global level have chronic pain. And even just uh, a couple of weeks back in the World Economic Forum, this topic is on the agenda, employee well-being, employee resilience. And there's actually in the global economy over two trillion US dollars lost per year based on the fact that there's depression, anxiety in the wow. system that drives productivity. So it's a topic that globally is of great importance. And at the same time, Nikki, another kind of data point of why this topic is important, why we brought it here to the Middle East, that seven out of 10 employees actually make a statement, I am not thriving, I'm rather surviving at work. And if you think about it, seven out of 10, that's quite a high number. Very much so. So you did mention in your answer the economic loss of employee well-being. So what does that actually look like? Can you break it down for me? Is it people taking off more time? Is it people not being as productive at work? What does it actually break down to? It's a combination, uh, Nikki, of a couple of different factors. If I'm not my best self, it lowers my cognitive abilities. It lowers my uh, degree of uh, problem solving. It lowers uh, my degree of being productive at work. And at the same time, the absenteeism goes up. Healthcare cost for the company goes up. And at the individual team and organizational level, the lower employee well-being and the lower employee resilience is, the higher is the cost and the lower is the productivity. And that's a fact that is quantified, that has been reported. And it's not a different story in the GCC that it is at uh, global level. I was reading the report and I was struck by the numbers, really. I have a couple of questions here. First, can you summarize some of the most interesting findings? And second, can you benchmark the GCC across the rest of the world? Are people healthier here? Are people less healthy? What does that look like? Before answering that question, and Nikki, let me briefly share what we actually researched in GCC, because we didn't conduct research on mental well-being. We conducted research on broader employee well-being. And we actually kind of took a definition of physical health, mental health, social health, and spiritual health. So it's four components that drive in the end how well you are as a human being. And so if we go to the findings, and it's quite interesting, uh, the findings is that while globally one in four respondents report burnout, that figures even closer to one in three respondents in the GCC. And you actually kind of take a look at it, that over 60% on both the physical health dimension and the mental health dimension actually report that either right now or in the recent past, they've experienced challenges on physical health and mental health. So these are just kind of two first factor points that almost one in three employees have symptoms of burnout across the GCC. And secondly, on mental health and on physical health, between 60 and 65% of respondents, either right now they face challenges or in the recent past, they did face challenges. So why are people feeling this way? What causes is we are in a region here that is extremely high paced, extremely, we have high aspirations, governments have high aspirations, uh, organizations have high aspirations, and that just creates strain in the system in a certain way, working hours are long. But there's also very positive spin, Nikki, on the same dimension. So why physically and mentally we are under strain in the region, the social and the spiritual health is actually at a higher level 
than in the rest of the world. And that actually means there's a lot of purpose, a lot of meaning in what we do across the GCC. And GCC, the research encompassed uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Kuwait, and Qatar. And it clearly came out that on the one hand side, given the velocity, high aspirations, and ambiguity in the system of what we are driving, there is strain in the system, especially physical strain and mental strain. But at the same time, there's a lot of purpose and meaning in what we drive. And that's an interesting duality. So it's not only gray, the message that comes out of the survey. There's actually a challenge that we need to tackle and we need to overcome. And at the same time, there is something that we can capitalize on, which is that meaning and purpose, because we are doing things that are quite inspirational in nature. So what can be done to address these challenges? And maybe you can break it down to me in terms of the government level, organizational level, and then also employee level? I think the first point, Nikki, is the topic of employee resilience, employee well-being needs to become a strategic priority. It needs to be in the discussions in boardrooms, it needs to be in discussions in management, it needs to be in discussions in the cabinet of ministers, and it needs to be in the awareness of individuals. Secondly, you can't manage what you don't measure. So the part of actually bringing objectivity and measurement into that topic, that whether it's governments for all the citizens, whether it's organization for all the employees, whether it's individuals for themselves, actually knowing where am I? Not subjective perception, but objective measurement. And the good thing is right now, it can be measured. It can be measured at organizational level, at team level, at government level, kind of what's the state, in the same way as we conducted the research right now. So the first theme is it needs to be a priority and it needs to be measured. It's really interesting you said that because I would love to know, how do you measure that? How do you measure as an organization or as a government or even as an individual? How do I measure my own well-being <laughs> besides just how I feel today? What are some of the scientific methods behind that? It is still in the, in the making process. So kind of new diagnostic tools are being developed. And the good news is that at organizational level right now, there are instruments that across mental, physical, social, and spiritual health, it can be measured. It's self-reported surveys, but also experience-based. So it's not a survey that you only respond in one single point of time. It's actually surveys that nudges you over a course of seven days or two weeks, where actually kind of you really understand how are your individual employees wired, kind of what is happening in the day by day, actually. And then you can, like a normal survey, you can sum up all the results and you know which arenas or which levels of your organization are under higher strain on, of employee well-being and which other people. That is on the organization and also the government level. So there are tools that you can use. At the individual level, I mean, there are lots of gadgets that you can start using on the physical health dimension, but there are also some tools out there where you can, in a 360 way, put your subjective perception of your own well-being across all the four different dimensions. And then actually each of the four dimensions has sub-dimensions. So overall, we are talking about 20 different entry doors or topics across these four different worlds. And you as an individual can make a step back and say, what's my current state across these 20 different dimensions? And then what is my aspiration? Where do I want to be? And in which of these entry doors do I individually want to work on and want to be at a different place in a month, three months, six months from now? So you, you give us some great examples of what can be done, strategic priority and measuring. Is there anything else that can be done, anything a bit more specific that people can take and run with and create a really successful program for their employees? I mean, a program is not a, a single initiative that drives employee well-being. It needs to be quite holistic in nature. And I think just kind of uh, witnessing what happens at global level right now, it's actually a battery of different initiatives that need to work almost as a concert and needs to be orchestrated in a way. So one is it needs to become a priority, it needs to be measured, but that's only the table stakes of it. 
Then secondly, there needs to be a program in place to create broader awareness across the organization, create awareness and create capabilities and bringing taboo topics into real dialogues within the organization. And that has an important implication. What's the culture? What's the openness? What's the transparent dialogue that actually happens? And at the same time, you need to equip your leaders to be significantly more compassionate and empathetic and sensing what actually happens in their teams. So there's one part that you need kind of to instill awareness and capability building. Secondly, you need to equip your leaders to actually be role models of employee resilience and employee well-being because every single leader all the way to middle managers, they need to, to be anchor points for employee well-being and they are important forces to drive well-being. A third important part is that there need to be kind of support systems that are activated, whether they are support systems within an organization or even externally. So what does an organization or a team do if they know that mental health is under strain? How will it be tackled? You need to be a professional to be able to tackle it in a certain way. You either install that within your organization or you have external ecosystemic support that you activate. So every single individual and every single team knows what can I tap into as a resource to help me or to help us doing that process. And then a fourth piece that also is important and sometimes um, underestimated uh, is the importance of re-engineering your office space. So it even goes all the way to asset questions. So kind of, it's not purely about making it a priority, measure it, equipping your leaders, create capabilities, create awareness, create support initiatives internally and externally. Also, there's a lot of physical perception that you can actually kind of do that once your employees or your, you know, your government employees or your uh, company employees kind of come to the office, what is the perception of reality in the office space? Overall, we identified over 25 different levers that can be pulled. And I think a combination of these levers is important. It's not about that there is a silver bullet, Nikki, that you can say, okay, right now I do initiative X or I create a hotline for mental health. It doesn't go anywhere. It's important, but it is not sufficient to drive sustainable uh, human performance over time in an organization or across a country in that uh, in that matter. It's very much a holistic approach then it the needs companies to be. need to take. Yeah. So talking about a holistic approach to health overall, this report was commissioned by the McKinsey Health Institute. What is McKinsey Health Institute? So the McKinsey Health Institute, Nikki, is a non-profit organization that we set up about a year ago in early 2022. And it was uh, founded on the fact that uh, um, health is a critically important topic at global level. If you take a look at the last 50 years, on the one hand side, uh, life expectancy is rising drastically. So only over the last 50 years, life expectancy rose from 54 to 73 years, but at wow. the same time. So it's 19 years on average that we are living longer, but at the same time, the number of years that we are living in high health or in good health the absolute number of years did not drastically change over these last 50 years. So there's something so it's just longer, not better lives. Um, it's longer, not better life. And the mission of the McKinsey Health Institute as a nonprofit organization is to change that and actually to add quality life years uh, into the world, which would make a big difference into our human race experience. And that is the, the overall vision. And there are a series of different priority topics that the MHI is driving over the upcoming years at global level. One of these topics is the topic that we started to research, which is employee resilience and employee well-being. With this research is the hope that organizations and governments and even individuals will use it to create better health for themselves and for others around them. Is that the impetus and the goal of this uh, institute? It was quite a provocative research uh, that we did, Nikki. I think the goal is not to drive employee well-being for the sake of employee well-being. 
In the end, it is uh, governments have not the single objective to drive well-being. Organizations don't have the single objective to drive well-being. Countries need to grow. Organizations need to be profitable. So in the end, it is a lever that drives profitability, that drives growth, that drives productivity of employees, of citizens. So it is almost a lever that governments and organizations need to tackle. And the good thing right now, it's a topic that first, everybody is aware it's important, but it can be measured and it can be tackled. It's right now scientifically proven. First, it matters. It's correlated to productivity. It's correlated to outcomes. It's correlated to performance. And there are ways how to tackle it. Uh, so it's almost kind of as topics that both governments and organizations should take into their portfolio of strategic important topics and find ways to drive it, but not for the sake of driving it. No, for the sake of having it as an enabler to drive towards the performance aspiration that governments and organizations set. What are some of the other topics that you think McKinsey Health Institute is going to be looking into to get to this goal of increasing um, the quality of our longer lives? Just to give you a sense of one or two further, further topic, one topic that we will start to research in a couple of months is healthy aging. And healthy aging is way beyond purely thinking about employee well-being. It's way more holistic. It's kind of your life, personal and professional life, and how can healthy aging actually add to the number of healthy years in the long run. And this is one research that we just started. In addition to that, there are a series of other topics. And let's stay tuned. I mean, this also kind of is a process in motion where we uh, define what are the topics to research, what are the, are the topics that we want to publish on. Really fascinating topic. Other than healthy aging, is there anything else that's on the docket? Several further topics, um, uh, Nikki, on, uh, on the topic. Definitely infectious disease, uh, diseases uh, will be a big topic that we will uh, spend as, as MHI uh, a significant amount of time uh, to research and kind of to bring uh, solutions to the table. In addition, equity and health or health equity, kind of how can health, healthy living kind of be brought across all socioeconomic levels. So kind of uh, health and equity across the globe is a second important topic. Then we definitely dig deeper into brain health, which actually kind of links to mental health. So you get a sense around there is a battery of different topics that we as MHI think are critical over the upcoming months and years to research and to leave a dent and to hopefully yeah, leave impact in the world. Fascinating. I really can't wait to read all of these and learn more and figure out how to be a healthier person on an individual level. To circle back to the original report about better employee health in the region, in the Middle East, what do you think is the one key takeaway for individuals, for organizations, for governments? If you were to say this is the one thing you should remember, what would it be? If I were to summarize, um, Nikki, into one key takeaway is, or probably kind of two key takeaways is first, it's about the deep importance. And secondly, that we as individuals, as organization, government need to be consciously aware, not only that it's important, but also consciously aware, where are we right now? And where would we like to be in a couple of months, years from now? So that awareness, that consciousness of a topic and that conviction that the topic matters. Purely the combination of that consciousness, awareness, and at the same time, the knowledge it is important, I think yields already a lot because it is a topic that would move mountains, Nikki, for every single organization. It's actually almost, to sum it up as well, those organizations in those countries that find solutions, it really becomes a competitive advantage because your ability to attract the best talent or the best citizens or the best global talent uh, and to develop and retain that best talent, whether it's in a country or whether it's in an organization, 
the human capital is the core asset that an organization in a country has in the end, and it becomes a competitive advantage. So it's important, and the consciousness and awareness needs to be there, and it needs to be discussed, and solutions need to be found uh, and implemented. And the good news is there are solutions, there are levers. It just needs to be done. That's fantastic. I think that's such an interesting way of putting it, that it's not just something that should be done because it's good for the people. It's actually a core asset for organizations. So really fascinating. Thank you, Misha, for your time today. It's been fascinating learning more about this, and I can't wait to read more from McKinsey Health Institute. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.